Governor Holden, when I look at your biography, there are obvious parallels between you and President Carter. Of course, you're both politically Democrats, and also you have both reached pinnacles of political life in your own areas. But there are less obvious nuances that draw you together, and one of them is your life story. You both grew up on family-owned farms, and you went to a one-room school, which you told me just before sitting down was actually donated by your grandparents. Tell me a bit about life in the beginning. Well, it's uh, what would what was interesting is my dad had left the farm, gone to Kansas City, met a, a young lady, and they married and moved back. Uh, so she was from the big city, and my dad was from this rural area. But the one thing that they wanted more than anything else uh, was for their children to get a college education because my father was not afforded that opportunity. Didn't tell us what to do or, or anything else, where to go, but he wanted his kids to get an, a college education. And so that was a motivation behind uh, working uh, to uh, achieve the, those dreams for me and my family. And I've tried to expand that to help all of the uh, children uh, in our uh, region of the country to, to fill those, fulfill those dreams too. I was reading Jimmy Carter's book, and it seems that the church, missionaries, education, and building facilities in China was his first connection or an early connection to China. He donated a nickel a week towards that very noble cause. My question to you is this. What was your first interaction with China? And what interests someone who grew up in the Midwest about China? Well, when I was state treasurer of Missouri from 1992 to 2000, I watched the automotive industry really, by and large, leave the Midwest and go, into, go to the southeast. And I started thinking about, okay, if, if we can't retain that and hold on to that and expand it, what is the next best opportunity? Because I don't think you can re reestablish relationships that you've lost. I think it's a better opportunity to find new, new opportunities to pursue. And I saw it as China. And so when I got elected governor of Missouri, uh, I made it uh, my commitment to try to build those relationships. And as chairman of the Midwest Governors Association, I started talking to them about taking a regional approach in dealing with the economy so we could go global in, in, our, in our activities. And so that's, that's what, we, what we did. The, my first visit to Peking University in 2004, making the announcement of setting up uh, offices in China, uh, also uh, happened to be the time of our youngest son's uh, birthday. And I always try to visit a school when I travel overseas and the teacher there had heard about his birthday, and at the end of my comments, she said, our students have a gift for your son. Uh, and one by one, each one of those students came forward and gave our youngest son a small birthday gift. Uh, and I, I told, uh, told my family and, and the staff, I said, I can work with these people. Uh, and so that personal connection, that personal relationship uh, has instilled in me the commitment to try to do this uh, and expand throughout uh, the, the heartland because what my background is not unique. 
is pretty common in our region of the country. These families in, in our 20 state region, they want their children to do better too. They want their children hopefully to stay close to home. But we've got to give them opportunity for that to occur. I just want to go back a bit to the story you just recounted. My father, whenever he traveled, when he was still alive, would always make the point of visiting a local supermarket because he said then you would understand through the availability or non-availability of fresh produce or processed foods, you begin to understand very quickly and get a grasp on the socioeconomic conditions of that particular area. What makes you want to visit a school wherever you travel, particularly in China, where the language is different, where the cultures are very different, at least on the face of it? But education is a one equalizer. If you get a good education, then you have the ability to go many different directions and be successful. But without education, particularly as our culture and our globe is becoming more and more globalized uh, and technology-driven, if you don't have that skill set, it's going to be hard for you or your family to be that successful. Let's talk then about Jimmy Carter, since we're sitting here at the Carter Center. Because he and Deng Xiaoping, as we all know, established the educational exchanges between China and the United States that continues to this day and has benefited so many students of both countries, particularly those that came from China, at a very difficult time in the late 1970s and onwards. All that, though, seems to be questioned these days. What once was welcomed are now seen as a threat. Is that because the Chinese have improved so much in such a short period of time? Or are we misreading this from both sides? No, I don't think you're misreading. I I think any culture that feels like it's under the threat of uh, uh, loss of influence uh, tries to figure out why and it's usually their initial reaction is it's something, someone from the outside coming in and trying to take what we have. Uh, what we're trying to do is say, no, we can be competitive. Uh, what we've got to do is improve our educational system. We've got to improve the opportunity. And one of the, one of the parts of that improving is globalizing our educational systems and our student bodies so that our young people and Chinese young people can get to know each other as 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, and 20-year-olds, not try to build a relationship when they're both 60 years old. How big is language as a barrier? Does that, in this particular context, create misunderstandings? Well, it can, but the good thing is uh, with technology, it is a common language. Uh, And so technology in itself can help equalize and open up those lines of communication between two different cultures. Let's talk about your contribution, because you were governor of Missouri for a number of years. And when you look at Missouri on the face of it, it's... uh, In the Midwest, of course, it's the 18th, or probably we should say only the 18th most populous U.S. state. Yet when you begin to unpack it, there you see all the richness that it holds in terms of rice, beef, soybeans, pork, dairy products, hay, corn, poultry, sorghum, so and so forth. And while you were governor, you 
committed and delivered on your commitments to build those relationships with China. You mentioned they're opening up your state's first office in China, but also much more. The Confucius Institute, I think, you opened that up in Missouri. And you've always talked about get to the local first. What does that mean? Well, if you really look at the history of our country, that that history tells you that change comes about from the bottom up, not the top down. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is help build that change from the bottom up in dealing with, with China and anybody else, but China is the main focus for efforts because I think the families that I've met in China carry the same aspiration for their children as the families in our region. They, they want their children to be, of course, healthy, they want their children to be successful. They want their children to, to go and aspire to higher calling than they have had. And I think when you meet people like that in both cultures and they can link up together and, and have the same aspirations for each of their children in both cultures, then you've, you've set a foundation for long-term uh, joint effort and long-term economic success. That's in parallel to your own story, you were saying that you were the first to be able to benefit from a college education, even though your grandparents donated the land for the one-room school in which you studied in the beginning. Um, that comes down to the American dream. Mm -hmm. Is it hard for Americans to understand that other people want to dream as well? And are there different kinds of dreams because, of course, America is based on democracy and rights and all human rights. Well, I, I, in some case, yes, but, but at the fundamental level, the families from both cultures have the same dream for their children. Uh, and so we may approach it a little bit differently, uh, but it's, you still get to the same results. I, I'll never forget, I was in... Uh, a city in China about five or six years ago and this young lady that was uh, cleaning our hotel room uh, spoke very good English and I, and I asked her when, when had she been to the United States and she said no I, I've never been to the United States and I said well how did you come pick up the, the addiction and she said by watching uh, British and American uh, movies and shows and so you know that aspiration for uh, success is there instilled in every child, if given that opportunity. And what we're trying to do with the United States Heartland China Association is build those bridge of, bridge of connectors so that our young people in both cultures can see an advantage for working together, not see a, a, a competitor that's going to be working against me. The United States Heartland, the United States Heartland China Association is nonpartisan and it unites a number of states that have a vested interest in a good relationship with China. You're obviously a people person in the way that you approach policy, but also in your own manner. What have people been coming forward to tell you, Governor? Uh, one, I, I think they're. they're the people in the heartland area 
know that they've got to change. They just don't want to see that change take away their children uh, to a, another part of the country or another part of the world. And what we're offering is an opportunity to make those changes, but also keep that change within our own territory. So if, if you and your children want to stay where you are, that's fine. You don't have to move to see uh, uh, to have a better life. And so I think we give, give them hope and give them a, a path on how their dreams can also match up with the economic uh, demands of a culture. Now, I know that you're sitting here wearing a blue tie, but how many blue ties and how many red ties are there in the Heartland <laughs> Association? If we, did a, if we did a tally, what would we come up with? Oh, I think uh, if you were doing that tally 10, 15 years ago, it would be probably 75% blue. If you do it today, it's probably 75% red. Uh, and some of my best personal friends are people uh, involved with the Republican Party both in elective office and uh, as business people. Uh, I think you know, whether you be a, a Democrat or Republican in our culture, you can have and you can find common ground uh, if you look for it and try for it. And so I'm committed to doing all this in a bipartisan way uh, and also working to make sure that we have a win-win situation with China and the United States because when, when one element of a, a business feels like they're being cheated, then that, that doesn't bode well for long-term relation. But if both see that opportunity for success and growth and opportunity, then they'll work together for decades, if not generations. Your red tie friends, would they necessarily see the challenges they face now in terms of their business and industry and agriculture? Do they necessarily link that to what's happening politically and to the direction that the Republican Party is taking at this time? Or do they simply see it? And I would see why, that this is a China issue against all Americans and that it isn't tilting on who happens to be in the White House right well, now. That's the reason I think uh, the work in education is so very, very important. Uh, because someone that is typically like me, 50, 60, 70 years old, their value system is pretty well set, uh, whether you like it or don't like it. But people that are 16, 17, 18, and 20 years old, they're still trying to figure out what value system they want to accept and be a part of. And so that's the reason education and the collaborative effort with educational institutions is so very, very important. Because at, at that level, you open up uh, a way for change to occur and success to, to be made. And when you can do that, then people are willing to accept that and be a part of it. I just want to finish off with two quick questions. The first would be, what would you tell your members, your constituents, but also people who don't live in the Midwest, people who live far beyond, who don't necessarily share your ideas and your ideals? What would you tell them about China and what China is and who the Chinese are? I, I would tell them that the people that I've met in China love their children and want their children to be as successful as we want our children to be. And if you come at it from that perspective, 
then you figure out how, how those two families, so to speak, can work together for the mutual benefit of both children. And when you have a win-win situation, then you have the makings of a long-term relationship that will be very successful for both. That's the reason that I think in what we do, we've also got to be very committed that we only want to work with people that are truly committed to that philosophical point of view. You're going to find in our culture, in China's culture, some people that may not be of the same reputation or standing that we're talking about. Those are not the people I want to do business with. Those are not the people I want to help connect to American businesses. I, I want the best of both to connect with each other. And in that way, we really improve the, the opportunity for all. And I think it's fair then to ask of the reverse. You come from a state of great communicators. You've got Harry Truman, Walt Disney, Mark Twain, people who can really tell a story and to convey it across lines. What would you tell the Chinese about telling their own story better? I think the best way to tell that story is by working to help their young people become connected in some capacity with uh, uh, education and cultural activities in our culture. Because when you build that personal connector, then you can build the business relationship. I don't think, by and large, that business relationships last long if they don't have the personal connection uh, bowing them as they move forward. Governor Holden, thank you very much. Well, thank you. I'm delighted. And, and this, this is a, a cause and a belief and a passion that I have because it comes from the same passion that my parents instilled in me to, to allow me to do the things I've done in life. I just want to open that opportunity for young people in China, young people in the United States to see the benefit of those relationships.